This spoiler-filled podcast is recorded live, unscripted, and intended for those over 18. Now prepare your ears for the audio stimulation they've been waiting for all day as we step into the spoiler room. And we are live here in the spoiler room, January 11th. It's a Monday night, and uh, recently they've started wide-releasing all of the Oscar bait, if you will, the Oscar season films to wide release from the limited release. And recently they came out with The Revenant, starring Leonardo DiCaprio, Tom Hardy, and one very gigantic grizzly bear. And we're going to talk about this film in depth tonight. It is a spoiler room. There will be spoilers, folks. And to help me talk about this interesting film, we've got in the crew tonight, first off, Mr. Cole Meredith. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing terrific. Uh, good to be talking with you, man. Uh, glad you could join us for this discussion. And a spoiler room regular as well in the room tonight, the BFD, Mr. Glenn Bittner. How the hell are you, sir? I'm barely hanging in there. <laughs> oh, let's grin and bear that pun. Oh, <laughs> as we talk about The Revenant. Yes, the film that got so much buzz because people were saying, Hey, a bear rapes Leonardo DiCaprio. We'll get to that in a minute, but let me give you the synopsis for those who may not be familiar with this. According to IMDb, it sums it up as a frontiersman on a fur trading expedition in the 1820s fights for survival after being mauled by a bear and left for dead by members of his own hunting team, a.k.a. this is the diehard of 1820s. Uh, so, uh, The Revenant. Uh, Glenn, let's get just your initial impressions here really quick. When I mention The Revenant, what's the first thing that comes to mind about this film? Uh, Tom Hardy. There you go. Everybody's talking about Leo, but uh, why don't you tell us about uh, Tom Hardy and in, in The Revenant here? I So I watched it. Um, not even knowing Tom Hardy was in it. Oh, nice. And uh, I didn't even know it was him. <laughs> um, I mean, not at all. Not at all. Um, but I mean, I love the performance. And then after I'm watching the credits, I'm like, oh, that was Tom Hardy. That explains why he was so good. Um, the character he plays is just, it's just great. I love the character. He plays an asshole and, and pretty much a coward. Mm -hmm. um, and he does it so well. He does it so freaking well. I know I know Leo, uh, did he win the Golden Globe yesterday? Yes, yeah. he did. Yeah, he won it as long as uh, well as the director and yeah. the score. They all won the big ones. So I mean, it's, it's just, it's a beautiful film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Tom Hardy, I think, is the big surprise in that, and I wish there was some more buzz about his performance in here because you're right, his character was almost more memorable than Leo, though Leo does put in a fantastic performance. Let's not, let's not get it wrong, but, man, Tom Hardy's character came out of uh, kind of out of left field. What about you, Cole? Uh, your uh, initial impression when someone says The Revenant, what's the first thing comes to mind for you? Uh, Glenn uh, stole, took the words right out of my mouth. I mean, that... <laughs> Literally, I thought, well, I thought it would probably be a stacked show. I, you know, I thought we'd probably have a lot of people. I thought everybody would be talking about Leo. So mm -hmm. I thought I would take, you know, the, the road less traveled. But that is really the first thing I, that comes into my head. Um, and not just because I'm a fan, but Glenn uh, put it so succinctly, man. He's, he's scary and he's a coward. I mean, 
try Perry in those two as an actor, and he does it amazingly. Um, but also, the, the next thing would, would be just the way it's filmed, mm-hmm. which I, I think is, is just key um, to, to the pace and the tone and, and the vibrancy of the whole thing. Um, I mean, nothing is missed, and yet you miss what you need to. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's a very intricately filmed uh, movie, and I can't wait to watch it again. I've 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 been busy in the editing room, but you know, it's the type of movie that makes you really want to be a better filmmaker. I mean, you watch this thing, and then you go work on your own movie, and you think, shit, I need to save up for better equipment. I mean. You know. <laughs> This is this is an amazing uh, it's an amazing film, but the camera work and and Tom Hardy uh, would be the first things I I think of and will always think of. I mean, Tom Hardy is key. I wonder how potent this film would have been without that character being so strong. Leonardo, Leonardo DiCaprio is amazing. Yeah, you know, as he, he proved every all of his doubters with uh, Django Unchained. I mean, if he had any doubters mm-hmm. and he still has them after Django, then he just has haters. I mean that movie definitely proved his acting skills, um, and this this just takes it a step further. I think he's amazing in this, but without Tom Hardy doing the work he is doing, this film wouldn't have the urgency it has. I don't think. Sure, and I agree. Tom Hardy really came up, surprised me in here. I, I had I had forgotten initially that it was you know that he was in this at first, but then I saw him like oh yeah that's right. It, Tom Hardy's in this, uh, but he had a big year last year anyway. Tom Hardy was in four films that got yeah. released last year. He had a small part in one, but then he was in Mad Max in Legend where he plays two guys. And I haven't he, seen that yet. I, I haven't either. I hope to see it soon. Uh, and then he was in this, and you know he's really – I mean he's actually been doing acting for a long time. Everybody kind of – you know. Dark Knight was kind of the one where everybody was like, "Oh, who's this, you know who's this guy?" For a lot of people, but he's actually been acting for a good at least uh, 16 years now. Uh, so it's interesting to see how far he's come and and how people are discovering him. And for me, yeah, his performance. And then of course, uh, uh, you've got the director in here who who did Birdman, and uh, so Alejandro Inarritu. I hope I uh, pronounced this right. Uh, anyway, Alejandro, uh, he's fantastic with the camera. I, I mean, for your modern filmmakers, it feels like, you know, well, obviously with this one, he couldn't do it all in one take. Unlike Birdman, you couldn't quite get away with long, all in one take. But you do get those longer action shots. Glenn, what do you think of the, the action shot, especially when those, uh, uh, it, the re first attack, the... Uh, uh, trappers, that really long tracking shot of that battle going on, was that intense or what? That was. Uh, it was a wonderfully shot scene, uh, or probably a collection of scenes. I don't think they did that all at one. <laughs> no, but they do that very would, good. That would have been amazingly impressive. But no, yeah, just it's it's so wonderfully cut together. Um, you've got the mix of you know the up close with with you know the the trappers, you know, trapped in the woods, but then the longer shots. Uh, looking out over the river and out to the you know out through the woods and stuff like that, just beautiful cinematography, which is what this entire film's about. Yeah, the cinema the cinematography is is right up front there. I mean, there are some great performances, but visually, it's one of those films that you really want to see on the big screen to experience and appreciate 
the cinematography in here. Uh, Cole, you mentioned it before, the camera work in here. Uh, you know, this production, the, the, some of this camera work couldn't have been that easy, could it? No, not at all. We're talking, um, you know, we're, we're talking uh, pre-visualization. Pre I don't know what the storyboard process was. As I said before we started the show, I, I've been so busy lately, I haven't delved into the background of this film the way I would have with all of my other favorite films. And, and this is definitely one of my favorite films of all time. I'm, I haven't had time to decide whether, you know, where it ranks, if sure. that has any importance. I mean, there's a circle of, like, Donnie Darko and Seven and The Crow. There's a circle of movies that kind of, you know, exchange first place. This is definitely going to join them. But um, the camera work is key, especially when you think of, about I'd like to think they did do a lot of uh, of these shots in in one take or one or two takes you know like the death of the sun I don't know what the use of CG was over the course of the film I know the bear was CG but I'd like to think a lot of it was staged and if it wasn't it sure looks like it was staged I mean it looks like it's in real time even when there's background action moving in and out of the frame and the foreground stays the same, if that makes sense. Again, I'm, I'm thinking specifically of uh, the, the, the murder of his son. Spoiler room, folks. Um, oh, yeah. Where it pans away from the stabbing to the gut, I believe, and I've only seen the movie twice, but it, down to his son's face, over to Leo's reaction, and then, then in the background you see Tom dragging the body. I mean, it's... it's uh, I, again, I may be mixing that up, but... Uh, you know, just the fact that I can remember that sort of action after two viewings just shows you the intricacy behind this thing. And that's just one sequence. I, I remember also the uh, the rescue of the uh, the young girl at the village. Mm -hmm. uh, it's amazing. I mean, the way that is filmed, again, all of this is added to, it, to the original story. And, and I don't know if all these uh, additions, I don't know who imposed these. Maybe that's why they lost two or three directors. I know John Hillcoat was attached at one yeah. point, who also could have been great. <laughs> I could see John Hillcoat and this well, going well, great. you know. Um, but maybe these additions to the story, I don't believe the character had a son, for instance. Mm -hmm. I don't believe he rescued anybody's knowledge a young girl, but the way the director, again, I'm not going to try to pronounce his name, uh, but the way the director handles these sequences, they have a flavor and nuance, and they keep you involved, and that's all because of, of, of the camera work. I can't imagine the script was that elaborate. You know, Leo shows up, unties, you know, rape victim. I can't imagine the script, you know, said move the camera here and there. It's the, that's a vision. It comes from a visionary. Um, yeah. Yeah, it comes later in the film, but we can talk about that, Glenn. That scene where he, kind of unplanning, rescues the girl. I mean, he's just looking for his horse because they just killed his 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 pawnee buddy. But then he runs across the girl that, uh, the the one, a group of Indians who have been on the ward path looking for him. I thought that was really directed well. I mean, you you hardly leave Tom uh, Leo's side. What'd you think of that that whole sequence, the way they played that out? I thought it was well filmed. I was. This is the one part of the film that bothered me. Really? Is, okay. Oh yeah, I was. The second, uh, uh, the you know after the after the first attack when uh, you know the one guy comes out and says you know uh, uh, Pawaka or whatever name right. is, isn't here. I'm like, oh, 
Well, you know, eventually Leo's going to stumble upon her and save her because then in the very end fight, the, the Rhea are going to show up while he's fighting Tom Hardy and he's going to survive because the girls will be back reunited and she's going <laughs> to let him live. So yeah. it was it was a scene I was it's I was anticipating it from from you know fifteen minutes into the movie I'm like I'm just waiting for it to happen. Well, yeah, um, it was it was more of a question of just who had the girl. You knew Leo was going to run across her at some point. Yeah, my pitch of the French. <laughs> of course, it was the French. Of course, right? it was the French. <laughs> uh, just because I know my history, the the French trap fr- French fur trappers fucked everything. <laughs> everything in this country. Uh, I don't mean they screwed it over. I mean they actually had sex with everything. Yes. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I mean it was a well a well done scene. But it was it it's the effect was lost on me because it was it was too telegraphed to me. I was expecting it for too long. Right. I, they they pretty much were hitting you in the face going, oh, look what's going to happen. I mean, you watch none of these, uh, enough of these, I should say, and uh, you, you can get predicted. That, that, that was the one part I had with it, too, was that that part did play out a little bit predictable. But I didn't mind at that point because of this character that they have Leo DiCaprio playing this guy. Oh man, uh, if you hadn't paid attention to the internet, once the trailer came out, Leo DiCaprio's character, Hugh Glass, is this tracker with the Native American son who, uh, uh, and he at one point, Hugh gets mauled by a bear. And we do mean mauled. <laughs> uh, this was really cool. Wasn't this a diehard beating of a of, of a character? I mean, this guy—he just gets mauled, not raped. Yeah, man, I not raped. You know, uh, my, my my feelings about CG are well documented, but what you know what what keeps the scene well, what takes the scene a step above what you would anticipate is round two. Round one is like the Rocky of bear fights. It makes anything in the edge look tame by comparison. And that's just round one. And then the bear leaves and you you start to breathe. You take a sip of your soda or whatever, and you think, oh, fuck, this guy is really going to get trashed, man. And then you begin to realize, you know, of course your brain goes to the true story, which is how bad did this guy get mauled? It probably wasn't. His buddies left him for dead, yeah. and then he tracked them down. Which, consequently, if if any of our listeners don't know, he did. Although the real story is more of a tale of forgiveness. Uh, there was no, to my knowledge, bloody battle. He just forgave them both and reclaimed his rifle. Um, he did survive and track both of those gentlemen down. So uh, yeah, it's an amazing sequence and really shows you the power of CG and maybe. You know, uh, maybe it's who you have doing your work. I, I, I bet this this is going to hold up well in ten years. That sequence is uh, the sound effects too, and, and the use of another thing I noticed in this film is is a use of the terrain of the forest and the sudden drop off of slopes. Like Leo falls down a slope at the end of that bear fight. Consequently, this is probably just coincidence, but consequently, during his end battle with Tom Hardy, they also go down this huge slope. And during the whole film, the, the ground is constantly giving way. You know, it just vanishes from under you. At one point, Leo goes over the hill, over the over a cliff with a horse. Um, 
again, which could have been a cheesy thing, you know, uh, a, a cheesy Hollywood thing, but the way it's filmed is uh, so amazing. But anyways, the bear fight, yeah, I thought it was fantastically uh, made. Um, and uh, it was and again, not the first action we get in the film. I mean, people go into this film, you know, probably just, you know, anticipating that to be the 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 beginning of the plot, and you get a whole bunch more tension right up front. You know, really, you're presented with a story, which um, is amazing. It's just amazing to me to see the way this director handled the material, because had I gone into this character's story, I wouldn't have even begun to see that you could do it that way. You know, right. I, I would have begun establishing his, his relationship with his buddies and then brought in the pair, I mean, to... It's just it's an amazing work. It's an amazing piece of work. Yeah. Well, what's also interesting with that bear? I mean, a bear attack. It was funny. I'm still trying to get where people thought that was the bear was getting it on with Leo. I'm like, what? Really? Come what? on! This, this is the first I've heard of this. You've never heard it? Yeah. For a short while, for a while, there were a number of people, and it was it was getting a bit of a buzz on the internet that a bear, the bear was going to rape Leo, and everybody's like. No, no, but there was there was a rather large vocal group out there trying to claim that. You look at the what scene. What the hell going, is wrong with people? <laughs> I don't know. I'm looking at it going. <laughs> no, no. I think what helps sell that bear scene though, and it, it's the key. I mean, it's the trigger. It's the it's the real trigger to to his, uh, you know, his challenges that he has even more so than the first battle. I mean, this you know he gets pretty much shoulder ripped off and everything. Uh, Leo helps sell that scene. You mentioned the CGI, but you actually feel fear for his character. His, his character is, is fear, but at the same time, you can tell him thinking, okay, what do I got to do? What do I got to do to stop this? But Leo's look on his face and everything during yeah. that scene really helped sell the CGI. Because, yeah. yeah. Because he, he's, you know, I mean, in real life, he's sitting there probably – you know, tied to wires or whatever, you know, or, you know, and part of it was probably CGI him as well, but still, you know, he has to try to sell something that's not really there. Yeah. And, yeah. and he he sells that scene well, and I think that's what helps with, uh, you know, buying into the fact that, yeah, uh, Leo is, um, <laughs> you know, that bear is hurting him. So, and you mentioned the terrain too. One of the things I found interesting with the way he handled this is, regardless of the mean things that our characters do to each other, like John Fitzgerald, Tom Hardy's character leaving Hugh Glass to die, uh, you know, and, and killing Hugh Glass's son just so that he could get out of there and everything, um, everything that happens, nature still appears to be the biggest enemy of everyone in this film <laughs> Glenn uh, would you say you got the feeling that regardless of what these guys do to each other that nature was always there going yeah you guys got nothing on me oh yeah nature is definitely uh, one of the biggest elements in the game I mean just the fact that you know that's that was frontier life you know it's, yeah. it's America you know kicking the shit out of people saying yeah you're not ready yet Go back to fucking New York, you pansies. Um, well, I mean, not just the bear, but I mean, I'm talking about you know the environment too, and the oh, weather. Oh, that's what I mean. That's what I mean. You know, the just 
everything about the environment. Although, I mean, I'm, they're lucky, though, uh, at least Leo's character is lucky that uh, hypothermia uh, wasn't invented until uh, the 1900s. Because, um, <laughs> my God, he spends a lot of time in cold water. Well, he, he's got that good frontier blood that that lets him, you know, survive that. <laughs> yeah, apparently. Um, but, yeah, no, I mean, yeah. The Although, when I'm watching the whole scene where he's he's floating down the river and going over the rapids, I'm like, I'm like, I don't buy this shit. That's that's how Grizzly Adams died. He died by going down a bunch of rapids. That killed Grizzly Adams. He's not tougher than Grizzly Adams. Fuck this movie. <laughs> but, then I got, but then I got over it, you know, because yeah. I had to. But cause you had it was still, to. It was still so well done. Like, <laughs> Grizzly Adams, fuck this movie. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there are, I mean, suspension of disbelief, yeah, it, it is tough to believe, you know, but apparently the guy, the actual character did go through some of this stuff to survive. Um, of course, it, you know, always embellished for a film, uh, you know, but it's interesting that you watch his character, and that's why I kind of call it Die Hard on the Frontier, because his character goes through, like, pretty much as much punishment as Mr. McClane does. <laughs> Yeah, there's no rest for this guy. I mean, they've even got the Indians coming at him out of nowhere and arrows hitting the trees. And yeah, well, that, that was the big thing with before the scene where uh, Glenn was talking about where he's going down to rapids. I kind of like how that handled because here he, he's gotten a little comfortable. He, he's starting to recoup a little bit more. Uh, and, and, you know, he's got his little cave by the river. And he's got the fish, and just as he just gets comfortable, those uh, the the reefs show up. Yeah, and, and he's gotta he's gotta dive into the water again and try to escape these Indians who, for all the you know, for all their knowledge, they think that he's involved with the kidnapping of of the chief's daughter. Yeah, uh, it, you know, and so you feel bad for the guy there. I mean, the guy's left for you can't help but feel bad for Hugh Glass. So really, surviving hypothermia or whatever, you know what? I'll let it pass because the guy goes through, <laughs> through so much. Uh, now, according to some of the trivia, Leo is a vegetarian. He actually had to dig into the liver of that uh, the bison. Well, it's a bison there. I think it was a buffalo liver. But in any case, he actually had to bite into a real liver. Oh, fuck. That's so gross, dude. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll say right now, you know, I'm a vegetarian and not for any snotty, you know, purpose. I just, you know, I farmed and um, my opinion of it is, you know, until you have raised an animal from birth, murdered it with your own hands, mm-hmm. froze it, eaten it, digested it, and then flushed it down the toilet, you really don't understand the process. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying, you know, don't eat meat. I'm just saying... Sure. You don't really get it. I, I, I've been through it, and that's why I'm a vegetarian is because I think the whole process is disturbing. So to, to know that he is a, a vegetarian and he put that, I mean, that's hardcore acting. I wouldn't do it. No way. I know Woody Harrelson has his pancakes made gluten-free for Pete's sake. I mean, <laughs> no way. That's hardcore. Yeah, apparently he had to devour a raw slab of bison liver. 
that that's heat that's actual that's not just like some special effect thing or not that's a real bison liver in the film that he's gnawing on apparently uh but of course the tr- according to the trivia as well he also had to learn how to shoot a musket build a fire uh speak two native american languages and study in ancient healing techniques uh so you know alejandro really had him get into the character and actually had everybody get into care you know like actually learn this stuff i would imagine make it feel natural and Glenn, what about the musket handling? I thought they actually, for a film, for most films, I thought they actually handled that really well. <laughs> I, I just didn't handle it. I didn't pay a lot of attention to the musket handling. Um, well, you didn't get a lot of just continually shooting, like yeah, uh, like you, you did with like glory. <laughs> <laughs> um. But I mean, it felt it's this felt. Like they were trying to go for some authentic stuff here. I mean, nothing's really clean in this film ever. Yeah, I will say, uh, what's his name, Hardy's character? Yes, he is a damn good shot with a musket. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that too. Yeah. Well, he was supposed but to be. It also, kind of fed into his character, almost like he was a badass coward. Like, you, you wonder just how conniving and, and horrible this person is. I mean, if he's that good of a shot and he'll still bury a comrade alive, which which he does, you know, he's just going to bury Leo alive. We can't bury him alive while you shoot him. It's like yeah. crazy. But anyways, the musk, I mean, that that kind of made me think, I mean, how good of a shot is this guy? Yeah. And why doesn't he use his courage? Maybe he's... Was his scalping? I mean, is that what turned this character into a coward? Well, he, I f- he came back and he was just like, screw that, I'm never getting that close to death again? I think that's what it was. I, yeah. The, the impression that I give from his character, and of course it is mostly about Glass, so we don't get into the Fitzgerald character, but you'd almost want to see a film about, like a prequel to this about the Fitzgerald character, because... Uh, yeah, I mean, he talks about the scalping, which is just a fantastic monologue from Tom Hardy. Uh, yeah. I, I, that is such a chilling, you know, in, uh, monologue from him. And, yeah, it, it, you get the impression that he's he's like a scared animal backed into a corner. Yeah, man. He He's afraid, but at the same time, he's lashing out. You know, uh, you know, he's he's putting everything into it because he's so scared. You, you know, so he becomes. I think he was a badass soldier who, who was captured. You know, who who did have that partial scalping going on with him, and that kind of broke him. Yeah, to, man. To be this guy who would rather run than save any of his, you know. Uh, character, you know, and at the same time he's using the environment too, going yeah, he's dead, let's go uh, no, no, he, he's infected nah, let's just go uh, you know, so I, now, true cowardice I, I guess that is, you know, him being a coward, wanting to run I kind of got the impression that he was more just done rather than afraid, but uh, you, you think though that it was probably more fear for him than uh, just wanting to get away from everything finally. 
No, uh, yeah, I mean, if you're asking me, yeah, he seemed afraid, mm -hmm. um, genuinely. Um, but that's my take on it. I mean, you could read it ten different ways and and be, be accurate, but he definitely seemed like like a scared uh, character. And I can't wait to watch the the film more. But right. it seemed like you know almost like you know what I thought of was Training Day, oddly, just in the sense that you know. You know, he could have been glass, maybe, given a different set of circumstances, but he just seen too much and, and mm -hmm. been wounded and, and therefore uh, <laughs> turned into the most evil coward imaginable. Sure. I mean, people do horrible things with power. I mean, maybe that's why he was such a good shot. You know, he may have been that he was just an amazing soldier at one point and, and just... No, I'm done. <laughs> you know, I'm I'm done. I'm done. I'm yeah. lining my pockets, and I'm getting the fuck out of here. Sure. You know? Um. And and hell's not gonna stand in my way. Uh. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. That's the impression I got. Nothing was really gonna stand in his way. Was it Glenn? I mean, is that Cargus, or was he just done with the frontier, or was it both? Uh it was well. Cargus, he had money. Right. So. <laughs> I mean, I mean, there are people, you know, who who do the hard freaking job because it pays well. But the second they got that money, they're done. I can't right. blame him for wanting to be done, but he's done because he's a coward. Yeah, so, yeah. Okay, you know, he takes the coward way out in so many so many ways. Mm -hmm. You know, he pretends he's all noble. Yeah, I'll, okay, I'll stay. Yeah, and, you know, I mean, I'm like, well, this is going to go off the video. Yeah, well, I, I I thought about that with the general too. I'm like, oh yeah, that was a good call. Let yeah. that, let that guy stay. The guy, no, who's been, the guy has been pretty much saying, ah, let's just let Glass die out in the wilderness. Let's get the hell out of here. No, no, we'll keep him because of three hundred dollars. <laughs> He'll be okay by himself with him and some eighteen-year-old. Yeah, <laughs> but that general—I had that thought as well. <laughs> was he a colonel or general? The guy who was leading them—he was supposed to be military, wasn't he? He was actually a military guy leading that. I believe so. I believe a captain. So. He was a captain. Captain yeah. Andrew Henry, played by Domhnall uh, Domhnall Gleeson, which. Folks is who interesting. Did a good job, I thought. Which, which is interesting because he was also just recently in a Force Awakens. <laughs> so this guy's was been he? busy, huh? Was he? Wow. Yeah, he played a Hux. He played General Hux, and he was. Caleb. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and he was Caleb in Ex Machina. So he's been busy as well. Not just Tom Hardy's the only one that's been into a lot of movies, but um, I like uh, I like the Domino. Gleason, I was kind of worried they were going to have him be a little bit more, not naive, but uh, green. But his character just felt like he was just trying to get out of the wilderness as quick as possible as well. But at the same time, try to maintain his captain, captain-y status, if you will, or, or posture. Uh, what was your uh, take on the captain character, Cole? Uh, did, did you feel that he was maybe scared too, or was he just more of feeling like, man, am I screwed? <laughs> man, I know I didn't get the impression he was scared. I I just got the impression he was a young captain, mm -hmm. you know, and and didn't necessarily know 
how to do right by all of his men. Um, but was certainly doing his best. And you hear you hear stories about, you know, I, I worked with a Vietnam vet, one of my first jobs out of high school, uh, for a year or so. He was a night closer, and he'd tell me these stories. And, and young, young uh, generals or, you know, young people in charge during wartime, it's a, you know, it's hard. It's very hard to deal with, uh, you know, for, to the people, to them and to the people they're giving orders to. Um, so that's the impression I got, was just the stories I knew of and have read from wartime, you know, young people in charge. Yeah. And, I, you know, I thought the, the actor and the character were very well-rounded. I thought the actor did, did good by the character, which could have been a little, you know, sort of dis- disposable uh, acting gig, and, and maybe it is, but, you know, I'll certainly remember the character. I thought he had some... Some good little flourishes in there, enough to make it memorable. You know, it's just a, you know, he's just there to propel the plot where it needs to go. He doesn't even really need to be there. He wouldn't have been in my version of the script, which <laughs> would be inferior to this, believe me. But um, I thought he did fine, man, for sure. Yeah, it surprised me a little for him what they did with his character because, again, I thought he was kind of a toss-off side character, okay, move. But then we get into the final act there where they go looking for Fitzgerald because Fitzgerald took his money and ran and left yeah. Glass for dead. Now Glass is found by the general. And, Glenn, did that surprise you that the they had the, the – or captain, excuse me, I keep calling him general. The captain. Uh, did that surprise you that the captain actually went with – glass to go look for Fitzgerald uh, you know versus the way they it it didn't surprise me that he went what surprised me is that he took no one else with him right yeah it's like we're gonna go out after this guy you know who you know who who he probably knows is at least at least a competent person because he was you know well he survived whoever fucking scalped him for one Um, (laughs) and you know that you can't be a complete pussy if you if you survive a scalping, yeah. um, and and the fact that he, the person he takes the guy who you know who is you know eighty percent dead. Yeah. <laughs> I mean the guy's super pissed. And he's raring to go, but he's like you know to say he's been beat to shit is an understatement. <laughs> I mean Ash Williams has got nothing on on Leo in this movie. Yeah. Yeah, he's he, he's pretty much, uh, you were expecting him to die a while ago just because of infection. And uh, somehow he's pulled through and has got enough adrenaline to go after Fitzgerald. Yeah, I was going to say, it surprised me too that the captain didn't take anyone else with them. Though I imagine he that maybe falls into the young inexperience or you know the, the young uh, decisions that he makes. Uh, much like you know, leaving Fitzgerald initially with Glass, and maybe it was a guilt yeah. thing uh, with the Captain character feeling like, uh, yeah, you know, that that thing I did about leaving you with the guy who who didn't like you too much. I'm sorry about I that. I don't know how much of it was guilt. I think I think he took his position seriously. Uh huh. Um, and you know, it's just he was he was pissed. Sure. You know, it, it's I left you, you know, to care for this man. And you fucking left him out there. Yeah. Because if if you love him, when when the other guy is just like you know, it's as soon as he finds out, he's like, you know, find the other, find that younger fucker and arrest his ass too. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> so, yeah. I think it's more that he was he was just pissed. Mm-hmm. 
and then maybe not thinking clearly and not wanting to take other men. So he just like, no, nah, this is just me and me and the eighty percent guy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, and everything as we mentioned with the cinematography is is just shot fantastically. You get the feeling of the blizzard, of the cold, of the changes in. Uh, the uh, temperature. What's interesting is I read another trivia bit that apparently they used nothing but natural light for everything except one scene. What one scene did they not? Uh, apparently, it was a campfire scene, and the only reason they did that was because it was getting such fluctuations with the camera that it was distracting visual. But apparently, other than that, one of the campfire scenes. But apparently, other than that, all of they were using natural light. Wow, that's that's incredible. Which is insane. And also the fact that they ran out of snow because they filmed it chronologically. They ran out of snow in Canada and had to take the whole production to Argentina to finish it because it got too warm in Canada and they started losing their snow. Uh, And you can tell, folks, it's real snow. This isn't Hollywood snow, which I give them plus props for for actually having this crew and actors in real snow. I mean, this is the second film I think we've had with real snow in it. Isn't it, Glenn, outside of Hateful Eight? Well, you didn't see Hateful Eight, I know, but um, that real snow, did you think that that helped with the overall realism and feel of the, the movie? Um, yeah. <laughs> um, I... I fucking hate fake snow because it almost is always way too light and fluffy. Yeah, yeah, man. And, this, uh, and it just it just never quite looks right. And this just had weight, especially when the, they get the one scene where the horses are tromping through the really heavy snow. You're like, oh crap, this is real snow they're going through. Uh, so, uh, yeah, the environments and everything, the director really paid some attention to a lot of the detail in that in the environment, which I think really helped with this film. And and you can see why it's it's getting the buzz it is. Got the three Golden Globes and that. Uh, you know, it, I never felt like it was being I don't know pretentious to say. Uh, Cole, you watched Hateful Eight, and yeah, it, it's a Tarantino film, and it's set in winter and that, and that's why I bring it up, but. It's a Tarantino film, and Tarantino films do come off, and I still love them, but they do come off a little bit like the director's a bit full of of what he's dishing out, you know. Whereas this one, it didn't feel like they were putting the stuff in just to wow people. It felt like a natural progression for the story, didn't Then it, it never was, like, showing off, at least Absolutely. I don't think. Absolutely, man, and I, I enjoyed Hateful Eight. Um, but if you have to see one graphic bloody western in the theater this winter, you you fucking see the Revenant. I mean, without a doubt. Mm-hmm. God bless you, Tarantino. Um, it, by my estimation, and this is just my own opinion, this this movie, uh, Hateful Eight, had a lot in common with Django Unchained, and they came out mm-hmm. way too close together. Um, it just as a homage to the thing, it works, but. It's an inferior film to Django Unchained, and the two films have so much in common in terms of being old western, having the the slavery thing, and uh, right. To me, The Revenant is it's just not, and it's not as good as Django Unchained. It's just not as good by my estimation. It's just it was it was it's weird that he did such similar films so close together. 
I it was very surprising to me. Um, but but uh, the Revenant is is a movie. You know, it's pure cinema, and it, you know, ironically they added all these cliches to what really happened, but they don't feel like cliches right. the way they play out. And I'm not exactly sure. I guess that's called talent, you know. Uh, <laughs> I'm not exactly sure why that is, but it's 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 a beautiful film. Uh, my mind keeps going back to specific shots, like the way that the trees look like giant monsters right after his son is murdered. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the way they pan up to the trees, right, say probably 30 seconds, maybe closer to a minute. And just hold on those trees the way they're staring down at Leo, like you know we've gotcha. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 just moments like that all through throughout uh, the film, uh, the, the the final battle, uh, the way the blood looks in the snow, uh, the way that they they are just a- any chop could be a mortal wound, and they just get closer and closer. At one point, when half of Tom Hardy's hand gets carved off, he looks at it and goes, "Oh shit." <laughs> that was the best moment, Glenn. What did you think of that final battle? Now that Cole brought it up, what did you think? He just looked at that when he got his his fingers chopped at the axe and just went, ah, oh, oh crap. <laughs> just like, yeah, it was it was. He 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 seemed more just uh, mildly annoyed by it than anything else. <laughs> um, <laughs> And boy, boy, did that a fucking adrenaline kick in for him, though, because it's like he's he's gut stabbed and he has his fingers chopped off, but he's still fucking stronger than shit. Yeah. <laughs> well, Hardy is a big guy, but uh, bigger than Leo. But yeah, I mean, he, those two really go at it. I I really like that fight too because it felt like, you know, that wasn't really a clean fight. Like, oh, we're gonna take swipes at the... No, they were just hacking and chopping at just about anything they possibly <laughs> could on each other. Um, and, oh, brutally bloody. Uh, you know, that that was a brutal final fight. And you're right, Glenn, though. You, you kind of knew what it was, you know, how it was going to end, uh, you know, with, with the... Uh, the Indians showing up, the Native Americans showing up and saying, yeah, we'll give you a pass, but he kind of gave them uh, Fitzgerald character. Well, he had to, because you, you knew his ass was getting scalped in the end of the movie. Sure. I mean, the fact that they mentioned, you know, how he was, you know, survived the scalp, and they're like, well, you now you know how he fucking dies. <laughs> yeah, but here's the final question. So we get the final thought. I mean, Leo, Glass here just, you know, survived a mauling hypothermia, eating bison liver raw, traping through the woods, you know, and here now he got stabbed in the leg and in the hand, and the Indians, yeah, they let him go, they didn't kill him, but they also left his ass in the woods again. (laughs) Does he survive? Uh, or does he actually end up dying? Because they give you the shot at the end where he looks at the camera, and then it kind of goes to credits, and you're like, well, crap. Does, what happens to the guy? Well, he has his horses somewhere, right? They're, well, they're somewhere, yeah. I, they, they, I guess they, they didn't run off after the one shot, but, I mean, they're still long off, and he's stabbed in the leg and the hand. Yeah, <laughs> and he's pretty. Well, I kind of saw that as like he can't escape. You know, re- it's good he didn't kill Tom Hardy because the ghost still would have been there. 
Right. That's the way I saw it. Maybe I'm looking too deep into it, but it it's like they will always be there guiding him. Sure. In fact, they aren't ghosts. In fact, doesn't she doesn't necessarily disappear. She just kind of turns and walks away, right? Oh, of his of his wife, yeah, the yeah. wife that sh- the wife that shows up in his dream, the the wife who who died, the Native American wife that he took for a while uh, before she got slaughtered. Uh, she her ghost does show up occasionally, and then she just turns and leaves. Uh, you know, and I was just wondering though at the end, I'm like, wow, is this guy really gonna live? <laughs> well, that could be, man. That could be. I I got the feeling that she was guiding him, and like mm. that that. Maybe the memories weren't such bad things anymore, and it's a good thing he didn't, uh, you know, off that guy, you know, because it, it's not an end to anything, you know. It's it's sure. um, you can't. That's just the way I saw it. Um, but you could see it as, yeah, he's for sure. I mean, there's a lot of blood in that snow. Holy shit! <laughs> <laughs> you know, I haven't seen. I don't think a a gritty frontier western like this for a long time since I was almost going to say ravenous this oh a- yeah good comparison brother another movie you know if they'd had their way that thing would have been filmed in a non-stop snowstorm too but <laughs> no seriously but yeah. production delays you know uh, just dictated that the thing well, you get a little bit of snow here and there but that's a great comparison because I, I- I like I love me some ravenous and the films do have a lot in common. <laughs> but I mean nothing's clean in that one either though. No. I mean you know, and in this one too, I I give Alejandro credit for taking on a task like this and uh one of the complaints that people have said and we'll we'll kinda wrap it up here, but uh for time and as I mentioned time a number of people say this film went too long, but I kind of enjoyed the pacing of this film, actually. Glenn, what about you? Uh, what did you think of the pacing with this film? Do uh, you think it could have been trimmed down by, say, a half hour? I, I think it could have been trimmed down a little bit. I definitely do. Um, there's always so many times we need to see him being cold and, and warming himself up. Um, but then again, you know, if, as it is, I still still think it's a great movie. It's it's, I I watched it the other night and, or when I saw it the other night, I mean, it at a couple of times I'm like, this is kind of long, but then I'd immediately be drawn back into it. So it wasn't right. like I was, once I noticed it's long, so like I, I then started like waiting, like well, what the fuck is this going to end anytime soon? What? <laughs> I mean, come on, this is, no, I just kind of went, oh, this is kind of long. Oh, look, they refound him behind this little this little happy man cave. Oh, there he goes back <laughs> in the water. <laughs> it, and I thought it was an interesting bit of visual, and they didn't really put an emphasis on it, but it happens. For most of this film, he's wearing the skin of the bear that attacked him. What did you think of that, Cole? Did, did you catch that? I know, you know what, I did not. I'm going to sound like an idiot on, on your show here. No, uh, no, I, I mean, unless I unless it was a different bear pelt. Glenn, what about you? Did you get the impression that was the bear pelt that, because they did skin the bear. You can see it in the they background. Did. You, you, you see the bear. Oh, yeah, I absolutely believe it was the, it was the pelt of the bear that, that mm-hmm. killed him, or that, uh, that he killed. Right. Um, so you kind of uh, got that symbolism there of the thing that almost killed him is pretty much saving him from... The cold weather. <laughs> yeah. And so I thought that was a bit of interesting visual, though, of course, I 
couldn't help but keep you thinking of the animated movie Hercules when Scar's <laughs> skin showed up. But uh, I don't know why my mind went there during the film, but it did. Uh, but I like the fact that for most of the film, here Leo is wearing the skin of the thing that nearly killed him, <laughs> and, and it's keeping him alive. You, you know, that... Just bits like that, uh, you know, this director, you could tell, really took care with this film, much like we saw in Birdman, and uh, it, it'll be interesting to see what project he takes up next. I haven't looked up IMDb to see what he's doing next, but, uh, you know, Cole, what do you think of this director in general? You've seen uh, Birdman, haven't you? I have. I, I loved Birdman. Yeah. I was, um, I, I sort of felt like, I wish every time Michael Keaton's character wasn't on screen, I, I was bored. I didn't get the lesbian innuendo or Edward Norton's romance with sure, uh, sure. Keaton's daughter. All that was, I just didn't understand it. I thought with the one-take structure, if you'd stayed with Keaton's character, you would have had a better film. Who am I to tell this guy what to do? He's a genius. Sure. Um, but th that's what maybe why this film surprised me so much, is I, I sort of was the odd man out thinking, you know, uh, this right. Birdman didn't. I thought it gave a a great role to one of our best act, best mainstream mainstream actors, and kudos to that. But I didn't see much beyond it, so I went into this without the highest expectations. Because I know you you love Birdman, Mark. Oh um, yeah, and, and I, yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I I really sort of you know it makes me want to watch Birdman again. You know maybe <laughs> there's something I missed. I mean this guy is so good. This movie is so good and. You know, I, I part of me is keen to revenge tales anyway, probably because mm -hmm. I'm a, a better shallow white boy. But th this this movie is is so well filmed and just so well conceived, and the way they can take these cliches and totally spin them, mm -hmm. and and not without even winking at the audience. I mean, who would have thought you could do a cowboys and Indians tale that's totally refreshing? Yeah, and it feels like a, a a tale too. It didn't feel like it was, you know, trying to put on too much of a show or whatever. They just were yeah. telling a story. It, yeah, it, it, it felt genuine. Though, uh, you, you know, I haven't seen a beautiful, which was his film prior to Birdman. I did see twenty one. I did see twenty one grams though, and I it took. I didn't even realize it was the same actor at first. So oh, 21, this is. Is this twenty? He did twenty one grams. He did twenty one grams, which is oh, really I love that movie. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I no mean... wonder this guy's a genius. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, he really handles some interesting material, and uh, I, I really liked his style and and everything with the Revenant. You know, some of these films for Oscar hype and that you hear the hype and you hear it and you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, and then you watch it and you're just like, yeah, I don't see it. In this one, I can see it. I hear, you know, it's one of those films where it's being, film is being treated as art. It, it It's yeah. not just entertainment. I mean, it's, he he understands the camera very well, and, and the, uh, the cinematographer he has for this was just amazing for this film, and I think, you know, making the environment its own character really helped a lot. And then the soundtrack worked well when you do have sound. There's a lot of natural sound going on in this film, too, uh, which surprised me. But The Revenant does live up to the hype, folks. Uh, it just, you know, it, there is no bear rape of Leonardo DiCaprio. But what there is, 
is a lot of uh, great performances, great direction in this film. And I have a feeling come Oscar season, it's going to be a, a big contender for some of the big categories in there. Uh, you know, and I think it surprised a number of people, especially with the history and, and some of the stories they got about the production being, uh, you know, in trouble and uh, being a lot of conflict on on set and everything. There were some stories about that. The, the end product, it, it's worth seeing on the big screen. Wouldn't you say, Glenn, that this is one of those films where you really should see it on, on the big screen? Yeah, sure. <laughs> Of course, now everybody has home theaters, so I guess it doesn't matter as much. But, I mean, visually, though, the, the, the scope and the the way they shoot this film is really fantastic. And I think it should be seen on the on the mega screen once. You know, wait for your – if you don't want to spend full price, you worried about it, then wait for a bargain day. But I think you'll get your money's worth. And, uh, yeah, don't worry about the length of it too long. Just enjoy it, the experience. Uh, because that's that's what you want to do with films is just enjoy it and and I think the Revenant is one of those films that you can just as long as you can handle the brutality and the the blood that show up in this uh, gritty western film. Uh, so we'll wrap it up here really quick here. Uh, I would appreciate you, all folks. I hope you liked us rambling about the Revenant. Uh, Glenn, was there anything you wanted to add about this film at all? I don't think so. I think we summed it up pretty good. It's just it's it's a really good movie. Um, probably my second favorite of the year. Nice. So. Well, that's that. Considering the list of films that have come out, that's 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 a pretty good uh, ranking of the list. And what about you, Cole? I kind of know where you're feeling. Oh, I didn't it. see any of the movies this year. Oh. It's the only one I saw. <laughs> I only, I only saw two films, and it's the second. It's number two on my list. So, uh, Cole, I think I know how you're final feeling on uh, on the Revenant. Anything you want to add, real quick? No, no, man. I I love this movie. I'm I'm playing it cool because I haven't had a chance to dissect it, but I really um, enjoy it, and I I can't wait to watch it again. It's definitely the best movie I've seen this year. Um, you know, and, and that comes in a, a really good year of movies for me. I mean, I've seen some movies this year like uh, Room and uh, Mad Max. I mean, I've just seen some amazing movies this year. And yeah, this is this is up there, man. This is a this is a great film. Twenty fifteen ended kind of like twenty fourteen did with a lot of strong and interesting and amazing type of films that uh, you didn't quite expect. Yeah. Uh, you know, in, in 2015 ended the same way, and 2016's looking to shape up kind of like that direction as well. And I will say one thing: Did anyone notice him? I think I wonder if he's if he puts it in every film. I, I might have to go back and look at his other films. Who saw the comet? Who saw the comet that we had in Birdman show up in yeah. <laughs> Revenant? I did see a comet. I didn't put it. I didn't. I didn't link it with Birdman though. I did you, you caught that Glenn <laughs> in the dream the falling star yeah the falling star yeah <laughs> I I just chuckled at that I'm like going oh what are you putting your own little signature in each of your films <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna get a falling star in every movie now uh for at least the dream sequences <laughs> which uh, it was just something else that I noticed which I'm fine with if he does do that I think it's kind of kind of uh interesting and kind of humorous too so yeah. Um, 
but The Revenant, go see it, folks, if you haven't already, uh, and look for it to, I imagine, have some major nominations coming up with the Oscars soon to be announced in just a couple of weeks. So uh, we'll go down a line real quick. Cole, where can they find you at? Man, right now I am on uh, Facebook working hard on the new movie coming out. Shadows and Lovers Productions is the page. The last great horror movie is the name of the movie. will be out very soon. Um, if you like horror movies, uh, check it out. And um, look forward to hearing from you. Thank, thanks for having me, man. It's good talking to you guys. You bet. And, and Glenn, what about you, sir? Where can we find you at? You can find me everywhere. I no, um, You can find me on Facebook, uh, B-Movie Bunker, Naked Old Productions, as well as on YouTube, B-Movie Bunker, Naked Old Productions. You can find me on uh, Galactic Netcast with my gaming podcast, Adventure Party, that I do with the awesome Brad Ludwig, uh, GNCast.com, or just follow me on Twitter, at Naked Hobo. Awesome, fantastic stuff, gentlemen. And you can find all this stuff at the links to them, as well as links to old episodes of the Spoiler Room, as well as stuff that I work on at specialmarkproductions.com. We've recently partnered with a site called Nerd Slant as well, where you can find my reviews uh, posted there as well, as well as the work I do for We Live Film. Uh, all that stuff, specialmarkproductions.com is where you can find most of it. Or on the Twitters, you can Twitter me at MovieManiac3D, or you can Twitter this podcast at SpoilerRoomPDCS, uh, and that's at SpoilerRoom, P as in Paul, D as in David, C as in Cat, S as in Sam. Uh, so tweet us, give us a feedback, let us know if there's any films you'd like us to cover. Speaking of films to cover, uh, in honor of the very recent passing of David Bowie, our first big special series, the big 4-0 series that we're going to do this year, much like we did with the 25th anniversary specials last year. This year are 40th anniversary films, and so the first one of the year is going to be The Man Who Fell to Earth. So we're going to cover that film, and that should be out in about a week, week and a half, that episode, so look for that. Meanwhile, check out our other episodes. Thank you so much for listening, and remember, in the spoiler room, the conversation is fresh, but we do spoil the movies. 